Hey, sports fans, Greg Medford at the Greg Medford Show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, today, we're going to have a guest. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Arizona politics. We're going to talk about national politics, talk about some of the issues of the day, maybe a little bit of balancing career and volunteerism and uh, how those two intertwine in public service and life. We've got our for our guest, Dr. Kelly Ward. She's head of the uh, Arizona GOP, chairwoman of the Arizona GOP uh, here in Arizona. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of what got her here where she's going and i want to get her two cents she's been around arizona politics for a while i want to get her two cents on uh the weird dynamic right now that we have within the republican party there's this huge rift between what uh the pejorative phrase the rhinos the republican and name only crowd who i would consider globalists and and the uh america first crowd uh, who we kind of call maga or trumpers right now but uh, we, as we try to whitewash the stigma of uh, MAGA Trumpers and, and say that we're America first uh, folks, uh, we're the nationalists, we're the non-globists, the people that are kind of pro-America and let the world sort itself out, call us and if, call on us if you got a big brush fire kind of relationship. There's this strange uh, shift that's happened where we see large swaths of Republicans siding with Democrats, which spooks us. And if we say it wrong, we identify it wrong, we end up fighting it wrong. Um, I was talking with another woman last night um, at a fundraiser I was at, and uh, she was talking about kind of a paradigm shift and how we define these two factions within the party and how we could maybe find some common ground to get everybody a little bit more unified. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. So, Dr. Kelly Ward, thanks for joining us on the show. How are you? Hey, Greg. I'm great. I'm great. Oh, yeah. Love the applause. Love the applause. <laughs> Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Uh, no, wonderful. Because we are going to save this country. It, it is going to be the ultra MAGA people, the people that put America first that save this nation. You know, I uh, I struggle with what's going on. Um, I feel like I, I have a really kind of folksy perspective on America. I'm a former Marine. I'm a business owner. My grandfather was an immigrant, um, you know, dark curly-haired immigrant. I've got uh, people of alternate sexualities in my immediate family, and I feel like I'm a pretty inclusive all and educated you know i went to school and i uh, went to school in the belly of the beast up in new england and i uh, went to college in new england pennsylvania and uh, my background is in philosophy and chemistry and theology okay so i feel like very got, well-rounded yeah yeah so i've got this take on america that i think is pretty honest and i've got a plain spoken way about me that makes me labeled as a racist and a homophobe which it would be it would be hard to be more inaccurate than that that's right but that's what i get called openly but by that's people. what the left does yeah they lie so what i wanted to talk to you about is let's talk a little bit about the schism right now because we have a schism going on and it's a challenge for new young energized republicans and it's a challenge for your over 55 republicans who think they're watching the news and they're being informed hmm. so talk to me a little because i run into republicans constantly who watch cnn and i'm like because like yeah that fox is too radical i'm like what exactly <laughs> i'm i'm blown away by that 
Talk to me a little bit about what you've seen go on in the Republican Party, how that shift is right now and how it's affecting state politics. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I never thought that I would be in politics. Um, You know, I'm a family doctor. I've got three kids. I've got one grandkid. Um, You know, I owned my own business, too. I grew up in the East. I grew up in West Virginia, a very patriotic, America-loving family. My grandmother was was a Democrat. She probably rolls over in her grave every 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 chance she gets when she knows I'm a Republican. But she was she was the old school blue dog kind of democrat that of, of of old i don't think she would recognize the democrat party yeah um and when i see republicans or people who claim to be republicans identifying with those policies and those people there can be no common ground so i know at the beginning you mentioned maybe there's some common ground but whenever i see people like john giles and mesa and all of these other former republicans or former elected officials there's a reason they're former because they they're they have no backbone they have no spine they have no soul as far as i'm concerned because they're endorsing people who believe in things that are um, are horrific, and they're they're trying to get them into positions of power that will destroy this country. And so those kind of Republicans need to just re-register. And I was glad to see that Heather Carter, former state representative and state senator, who got beaten by Nancy Bartow, thank goodness, uh, that she re-registered as an independent. And they all should re-register as independents or Democrats because most of them believe in those policies. Now. In terms of getting people and unifying the party, that is one of my jobs as the chairwoman of the Republican Party of Arizona is to try to unify this party. I'm trying to unify people around the things that we believe in, faith, family, and freedom. Also, small government, low taxes, personal responsibility, and following the Constitution. If all Republicans just focused on those tiny issues, well, they're big issues, but they're very, very if they, if they focus on that simple plank that that yes if they yeah. stay there then we win and and we bring people to us when they start going off on tangents um that are not republican saying oh well i'm sort of pro-life oh i sort of believe in the second amendment but but maybe we could have some um gun restrictions then they're going off the reservation as yeah. far as i'm concerned yeah. now i will try to bring them back it is my job to try to bring them back especially elected officials and they do not like that correction i'll tell you when when you point out their voting records or you point out the things that they're advocating for that are not within the Republican Party platform or within the things that the core of Republicanism, what it's based upon. So, so let me ask you about that. So yeah. you've got, uh, as a head of the AZGOP, that is the uh, precinct committeemen around the state elect one person amongst them. You had to be a PC for a term before you could be eligible, right? Well, you have to, yes, you have to be elected as a PC. Then you have to be elected as a state committeeman. So the state committee actually elects the chairman of the party. Um, it's about, that. you know, there's about twelve to 1,500 people that elect the chairman do of they, our party. Do they have PC get-togethers? They do across the, across the state. It's different in every single county. It's different in every single legislative district. How did you inside. run for the position? Uh, I was crazy, uh, but. Uh, I, I was not going to run. I had run in a couple of elections before. As I said, I was a state senator, was very effective as a state senator, decided I was going to take on the biggest beast, I think, in our in our state's history, maybe in our nation's history, John McCain, mm-hmm. uh, because I couldn't get any of our elected officials to take him on. I talked to our congressman at the time, Matt Salmon and David Schweikert. Um, they both said, oh, you know, 
no, they, they complained about John McCain a lot, but they wouldn't take him on. They were too fearful to take him on. Somebody had to take him on. And I was like, I don't care. I'll be a sacrificial lamb. But somebody has got to expose what's going on with the McCain machine. Um, and, and, and what was going on? Give us a little, give us the one page on it. Because I know, you know, we don't have all the time in the world. You've been around and you've seen where a lot of the bodies have been thrown off the truck. Yeah. Get, get, tell me what was, the, well, what, tell me about the McCain machine. Biggest thing, warmonger. Warmonger, globalist, in the cabal with Hillary, with Obama, um, arming our enemies, uh, putting uh, the everything that happened in Benghazi was tied back to John McCain. That was that was one side, the foreign policy side. On the domestic side, uh, talk, talk, talk about build the wall, build the build the dang and fence, do and do nothing. Let this invasion of our country continue along our border as one of the most powerful people in the entire world. On the foreign side and the domestic side, he was a failure. Mm -hmm. And he had lost his way. He had been in Washington for over four decades, and it was time for new blood. It was time for new ideas. And I think that I helped to pave the way for where we are in Arizona now with great people like Carrie Lake, like Blake Masters, like Abe Hamaday, like Mark Fincham. Those people are are bringing to fruition the things that I've been fighting for for over a decade. You know, it's interesting. I had words with McCain at an open forum at the Biltmore and it was years ago mm -hmm. and he had me drug out of the building. Yep. And I was really polite. I was just asking him questions about, and I can't remember, it's been a bunch of years now, but I was like, well, Senator McCain, that's not actually true. And and uh, and he just whispered a couple of, and I got literally got drunk uh -huh. out of the building. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Right. I was totally polite. You can't question. Question. you can't, just like what we're seeing right now with the authoritarianism and the tyranny yeah. from the Biden so-called administration, where the only truth that exists is the truth that they tell us, McCain was part of that. Yeah, and um, and uh, you know, uh, good riddance. As far as I'm concerned, Trump said it well, and it shocked everybody when he said it, and it was a true statement. And when he said it, I went, "Oh my God, I've been saying that for years." I had, um, well, I don't want to. I don't. Well, wanna, and I, I never attacked him as a person, and and yeah. uh, you know his his military service because my husband was in the military for 33 years. I'm a military wife. Um, I know what it's like to go through. I would never do that. But I attacked him on policy, and I attacked him on his votes. And then people w were mad at me. There's still people that are mad at me, and it's part of the the schism in the party is because yeah. I'm the chairman, and I took on John McCain. Well, times change. So I had an interesting conversation. Uh, so I was at a fundraiser for uh, for Nancy. Uh, last night Good. at Vera Gibran's house. Okay. And uh, Vera and I were talking before the event, and, you know, we talk politics a lot. We're like politic buddies. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's got this kind of machination she's made in her head about how to talk about what's going on in the party. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of getting away from the rhino thing and going to this globalist, non-globalist mm -hmm. thing. Because rhino is name-calling and globalist and nationalist is actually kind of accurate and it forces you to define yourself a little bit better than, because right, like what is a rhino? It doesn't, there's no hard definitive definition to it other than, you know, the acronym. But if you say globalist versus non-globalist, it's exactly, if you look at the Republicans who I think are in contretemps to the MAGA movement, mm -hmm. they're globalists. Yeah. And and the Trump crowd and the MAGA crowd, we're not globalists. We're like, the globe's a mess. Let's work on, you know, charity starts at home. Let's take care of our country. That's right. Well, and let's be an job. example to the world. Yeah. And I think that that's what Donald Trump 
put into action um, as he held NATO accountable, as he held these countries that needed to do what what needed to be done to deliver on the promises and uh, the the contracts that they signed with the rest of the world or with at least the rest of the NATO members. It wasn't because he wanted to attack them. He wanted them to live up to the promises and to their potential yeah i think he sees potential in in so much and i you know what we saw during covid and during this this time under biden occupying the white house we've seen people who pretended they were on our side for a long time to get our votes expose themselves again and again and again the bushes um you know the cheneys the they've they've been in power for so long that they've forgotten what this country is all about it's amazing too because they almost lack Mm self-awareness they've been in their bubble so long and they act like the divine right of kings were sounding before their fall yes you know like they could just do whatever they wanted and they're anointed and how could you possibly think otherwise what's wrong with you people that's right that's you if you dare to question them then you become an enemy i mean i know i'm being being um persecuted as far as i'm concerned because i'm the chairwoman of the party because i dared to stand up and say that the 2020 election was rigged and that that it the outcome was not what it should have been um i've been subpoenaed by the j6 committee i've been subpoenaed by the doj uh i worry every day i never thought in my little life growing up in west virginia as a coal mine granddaughter that I would ever be a target of a weaponized federal government but here I am and people say well why don't you just tell them why don't you just give them everything that they want well because I have a First Amendment right to speak freely and if I don't stand up for myself then next they're coming after you and I, I, I was listening I've been listening to stories of housewives and moms who are pro MAGA Mm -hmm. who uh, have been posting on social media about, you know, their MAGA views and the FBI coming to their house um, and forcing them to prove that they weren't in Washington on January 6th. And I'm like, okay, if that's not a screaming violation of everything that's American and about 30 different places in the Constitution. I don't know what is, but that's what's going on. That's right. Well, and they know I wasn't in Washington on January 6th, but they said that I'm a ringleader, a so-called ringleader, and I'll take it. Okay, yes, I'm a ringleader. Yes, I am. I'm a ringleader for freedom. I'm a ringleader for America. I'm a a ringleader for populism. And, you know, they, they do want to shut us up. And I don't like to be considered an enemy of the state, but I think that with this administration that's there, perhaps that's where I am. And it's it's a scary place, but somebody has to do it. You can't just back down and and take it and say, oh, you know, oh, I'm so sorry, great leader. Um, let me let me see how you can torture me. I have to stand up for the First Amendment. I have to stand up for um, our right to privacy. And if I don't do it, who will? You know, it's fascinating, too. Uh, the left is dominated by liberal arts majors and wordsmiths who want to try and talk science uh, from classes they couldn't mostly get passing grades in, so they picked being liberal arts majors. Yes. Well, it is funny, because I was just thinking about this last night, political science. And because when I was, I went to Duke University, which has become very liberal and very embarrassing on many fronts. But when I was there, some of my friends were political science majors. Ma- majors and you know i was in in science i was pre-med i was doing all my pre-med stuff 
And I didn't even know what political science was. But just thinking about it last night, I was like, well, they were lying even from then because there's no science behind what they're doing whatsoever. So this wordsmithing has been very important in um, brainwashing the society for a long time. Yeah, we've been getting propagandized. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're as bad as what happened in the Soviet Union during the Cold War because I see... You know, it's astounding to me. Uh, I live, I grew up in Scottsdale and then I live up at Carefree now. And I saw it go from this really cool conservative cow town. Uh, and as soon as all the Teslas and uh, uh, frankly, embarrassingly enough, the Teslas and the Porsches and the Lamborghinis and the mm -hmm. Ferraris, when they all showed up, the town went center, center left. Right. And I'm like, you people all are driving around in six-figure cars off the teat of capitalism, and now you're Marxists? Yes. I don't get it. it well, seems... I haven't seen them inviting all the illegal aliens to come move into their house. Have no, you? No, no, not at Drive all. Drive their cars. <laughs> no, Take their kids to school in the Lamborghini. No. It, and, you know, it's funny is I don't resent people for having, you no. know, kind of done well, but when they get there and decide to spout all of this Marxist craziness, you know, I want to jerk a knot in their tail. I've got one of my friends, he's an attorney, a Harvard trained attorney, and uh, over at his house, he's got a baller ass house, you know, and he's got a yeah. good gig. Wife doesn't work, and she's a raging communist with a black card. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, exactly. And I'm like, and I'm all for capitalism. I, you yeah. know, whenever people try to give me things for free, I, I'm, I don't like it. I want, I'm like, I'm a capitalist. You deserve to have the fruits of your labor. Um, even when I was in the legislature, the lobbyist would try to take you to a diamonds back, diamondback game or a you know, Cardinals game or whatever. And I always made them let me pay for my ticket because I wanted to go. I wanted to go with the legislature. I wanted to be part of the team. And, but I don't and, want to be beholden. But I don't, right. Yeah. And they were mad about it. They mm -hmm. were all, and you know, there were conferences where we could go where they would give you scholarships. And I was like, oh, I don't need your scholarship. I'm, I'm going to go to them. They're like, you have to take it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't. And I'm not, I'm going to go and I'll go to the meeting. But I did not ever want anyone to think that I owed them anything, especially my vote. And um, there's too few people that are in elected office that are willing to to go that far and to keep their principles where they belong. We need more of those people. And I think that they're coming. I think they're coming for Arizona this time. I think that the people that we have on the ballot, what we did in this primary with the people we elected and the people we unelected is a message to this whole country. And that's why being a ringleader, Arizona, we are a ringleader for freedom, for this America first movement. Let, let, let's talk about Blake Masters a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've had Blake on the show. I met him. I thought he was real personable, yeah. intelligent. I thought he was too young for the job. Um, he didn't He didn't command the space the way I want from a senator. Um, but if he's, a, if he's a radical American, then I'm kind of okay with that. Um, but I felt, I saw something go on with the candidacy between him and Jim Lehman. Yeah. And I saw Lehman doing the work. I saw Lehman with big crowds. I saw Lehman working around the country and had the offices set up and did the hustle. And then I saw I saw Blake get the Trump endorsement and kind of flipped over the card table here. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about? Give me your assessment on the race between Blake Masters and uh, and and Kelly. Yeah, I mean, and I thought we had great candidates. Just uh, you know, for Senate, well, at least some great candidates. And Jim, Jim was a great candidate. He's a patriot. He loves this country. Um, he ran his business in an America first way. He just wasn't the guy that was able to get that endorsement. I think Blake has um, a lot, a lot of potential. He's a very, very smart 
guy, smart young guy. He's an attorney. He's he's made his way in the the tech world that most of us don't even understand. Yeah. Um, and I think that he will be a force to be reckoned with in Washington, D.C., because I think he's going to join up with people like Rand Paul, like Josh Hawley. Um, there's too few in the in the Senate. It, people like to say, oh, it's you know, it's 50 50 right now. B.S. It's not 50 50. It's like 97 to three yeah. in terms of Americanists that it, are there. Know, it's almost good thing it's split 50 50 because the Americanists have a very small yep. actual they have a very small caucus. That's right. And uh, they can sway when it's 50 50. Yes. Let yes. me talk to you a little bit about so uh, you know I guess this was uh, and I want to talk about Blake because it's a, yeah. it's one of the most important races coming up. Um, look I had Carrie on the show. Yeah. Um, we've talked a bunch of times her son worked for me for a while yes. i think she's a great person for arizona i wasn't sold initially and she kind of won me over and she won me over work with her work ethic and her unrelenting perseverance throughout the campaign um but it, for the nation one of the most important races is the blake masters race yes uh and we're going to talk about carrie in a minute yes. too uh I guess there's a battle going on between Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. Well, it's not actually between Mitch and Donald. It's between Mitch and Peter. And Peter I think it is Mitch. And Peter, I think huh? I think it is. I think it is because, um, and we as the party, uh, with uh, me and all of the chairmen of the other 15 counties, we all sent a letter yesterday to Mitch McConnell saying, "Mitch McConnell." get on our team arizona and america needs blake masters put your money and put your politics they, behind blake they pulled masters. the money from blake right well they they i don't know what they had i mean I, I heard a story it was six right. million dollars got pulled out of the race I, I don't know if it actually got pulled or moved but we're we're pushing on him to invest in this race because the republican party of arizona obviously we're in 100 percent the rnc and a lot of people don't like the rnc um i'm a member of the rnc which it also i'm sure i know i'm a thorn in the their side but um the rnc is behind blake they are working hard the nrsc so the national republican senatorial committee they are behind blake blake with rick scott as the chair of that entity the only outlier right now is mitch mcconnell trying to stomp his feet because i think he worries that when blake gets there blake's not going to vote for him to remain the leader um of of our party the the majority leader of the senate at yeah. that time and he would rather be in his position of little person personal power than save this country. Yeah. And um, that's why it's so important to for all of us to be putting pressure on Mitch McConnell to join the team. Yeah. Okay. So that's something as uh, people watch the show and always wondering, you know, how does Arizona politics affect you if you're in hopeless Marin County or you're up in mm -hmm. Suffolk County or you're in New York? Um, one of the things you guys can do is you can all reach out to the Senate. You can reach out to your senator and you can reach out to Mitch McConnell and just say, how dare you pull the funding from an Arizona senator that uh, could, you know, sway the balance of the Senate or a Senate senatorial Republican candidate? Get 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 the party behind him. Um, you know, they're up there. Their assistants are all clicking off where the phone rings yes. and where the emails come in, and that's something where five hundred or a thousand people can can nudge the needle. A that's little exactly bit. right. And yeah. Mark Kelly is the most vulnerable 
person in the Senate right now. I don't even like to call him a senator, but person in the Senate. He's voted the first year he voted 100 percent of the time with the with Chuck Schumer and the Democrat agenda. This year he's he's at 94 percent with them. He wants to get on TV, tell people he's some kind of independent, that he's an independent thinker, an independent voice for Arizona. No, he is a mouthpiece for Chuck Schumer, for Nancy Pelosi on the House side and for for Joe Biden, who obviously needs a mouthpiece because he doesn't even know what he's thinking or saying most of the time. Yeah. What the hell happened? Because my friends' heads explode because I talk politics and they all reach out to me. What the hell happened? We got two Democrat senators. How in the hell did that happen? That's right. Every major city in Arizona is run by a Democrat mayor. What the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. It it came from... (laughs) It came from... Rhinos, Republicans in name only, in positions of power, in places like the Republican Party, as well as in the party structure in other places. Governor Ducey, let's just talk about Governor Ducey for just a second. So he's done some good things. Obviously, he's done some good things when he's there. But in terms of being a person that empowers the Republican Party to be strong, nothing. Absent. Nothing since I've been chair because he supported my predecessor. He said he was the greatest chair in in the history of chairman, which... Who was that? I, Jonathan Lines. He's okay. from Yuma. I've never seen that he was the greatest chair in the history of chairs, especially because when I went into office, everything was destroyed. The Google Drive, the Gmails, no minutes, no no anything. So everything that we've built from this party from 2019 on has been the foundation that I and the team that we put together has been able to assemble, which is pretty darn awesome, I'll just say. If I went to my home. Who's the more. team? Let's hear the team. Uh, well, my executive director is Pam, Pam, Pam Kirby. Okay. She was the first vice chair of the party and then i hired her as the executive director she's wonderful christy Danell, she's our communications director and she is she is a fighter and she is a, a passionate americanist as well uh, jeremiah coda he's our political director he's worked in multiple places he's worked for andy biggs he's worked for um, paul gosar he was working on the salmon campaign he's he's at the office um he, he also is Native American, so we've got a, a, a good connection into that community who really are Republicans. We just have to bring them over to our side to let them see the light that the Democrats are doing nothing for them other than using them. Um, Felicia Gibson, she does our finance finance part um and then we've got those are the the five the, it's not a big team the five core we've got uh we've got a couple of other people john carl um and susan that that complete that little bit of a team okay. but we've you know we've had to put that into place then we've got our elected side as well so we've got the people that are on the executive board we've got our executive committee and then of course we've got the state committee and the precinct committeemen and and everybody does their part to build what we have which is um, a great messaging machine, a great fundraising machine, and then investing into our candidates. One of the things that didn't happen in 2018, which led to us having a, a you know, Democrat senator, losing some of the corporation commission seats, getting the legislature so close. This was all before my time. But, but Governor Ducey wanted to have a mandate for himself so much that he forgot that there's all these other Republicans that actually need help to get across the finish line. And and Governor Ducey has been a great fundraiser for himself and for the people that he wants to support. But if he doesn't want to support you, you might as well forget it. Um, 
He has never supported the party since I've been the chair. And he's also actually told people like Ronna McDaniel that if she supports the Republican Party of Arizona while I'm the chair, then he's going to tell Arizona donors not to give to the Republican Party. All right. So he's uh, so termed out. A he's lot of petulance. Away. A petulance. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so I look forward to Carrie Lake as the governor and the next chairman of this party, who will not be me, but whoever it is, having a great relationship because that strengthens. Because you're terming out now, right? There's no term out. I'm terming myself out. It's a it's a volunteer position. Oh, I thought it was a two term. No, only no. Thing. Oh, I've okay. done I've done the job. I said I've served my time in the penitentiary of chairmanship. Um, you know, I'm as I said, I'm a physician. My husband says I thought I married a doctor. Instead, I married a volunteer that does politics. Um, luckily, I'm very very blessed to have an awesome husband who believes the same things that I believe. Who is willing to invest in my ability and as our as a family to be able to do this because if it weren't for him i wouldn't be able to do it what's he do what's his name his name is dr michael ward oh, the, pa- the, the press doc. likes to call him mark they've, they've done a few stories his name is not mark but, are, but whenever he misses, doctor squared right when he misbehaves i call him oh that must be mark coming out uh you know your mark side but mike ward he's an er physician um as i said he was in the military he enlisted straight out of high school became routed as a medic that's how he found his love of medicine and he's been saving people was in the army Uh, he was in the air force okay air force and saving people for for decades and um and saves me every single day he's uh he's the love of my life he's the sounding board he's a political he's got a masterful political mind and um if it weren't for him i could never do this job but at some point you have to say somebody else has to pick up the baton and run with it and it's time for someone else to pick up the baton and run what kind of doc is he he's an emergency physician okay yep um what's kind of next for you you know everybody asks me i don't know um i know i want to to really reconnect and be be with my husband and with our family uh, more than i have been able to over the last 10 years being in politics though it did bring us very close together um there were consultants that said no you shouldn't have your husband at this event or you shouldn't bring your kids here there or wherever and i said they're the reason i'm doing this and i'm not going to be some kind of stepford candidate where i'm just walking around like a zombie and you try to buy I, I think a the seat consultants for me. are awful they're terrible they're terrible so maybe so, we'll start a consultant consultancy we don't know uh, you know there's there, the horizon is wide so um, you're not pulling out of politics and kind of headed back to Havasu to just do medicine. You're going to stay involved, you know, just don't know yeah. what yet. Yeah. And I don't think I'll ever go back into full-time medicine just because, um, number one, I've been out of full-time medicine for a long time and I don't want to be a danger. You know, first do no harm. So yeah, first yeah, do no harm. Yeah. Um, but I still like what I'm doing now, just working very part-time. Um, I do only telemedicine, which is great because I can do it from anywhere. Um, I'm a very good fundraiser. Just, you know, that's another hoot toot my own horn. I don't usually, but I, I'm a very good fundraiser, especially with the people who believe in an America first agenda. And, uh, you know, I would love to be able to do some fundraising either for the party, depending on who takes over the party or for the Freedom Caucus or for Carrie Lake and her, uh, you know, her victory pack. Uh, I, I would love to be able to keep that skill uh, and keep the relationships that I've built over these decade, you know, this decade of being in politics and put it to work to help those entities that are trying to save the country. What do you think about the race between uh, Blake and Mark Kelly, frankly? Uh, is uh, 
Does, do you think Blake's got a good chance at it? I do. I because I, the numbers the numbers are not great for him right now. Well, they have been improving over, uh, every every single poll. So he was down by twelve, then he was down by eight, then he was down by four, um, and now it's two, and two is within the and, the and that's a lot of, of you know for everybody watching. That's a lot of after a rough primary, there is a bitter moment where the competitive voters from the sides that mm -hmm. didn't make it kind of turn away and they're mad, but then you know. Um, Jim did the right thing. He came in and endorsed him. And, and as soon as that happens, there's this kind of solidifying that happens, right? Yeah. Yes. And I mean, I would love to see Jim more active in that race, helping Blake. Um, you know, he's he is a very wealthy person. He has the opportunity to make a big difference in that race financially, as well as as, as the personality that is Jim Lehman. And yeah. so hopefully, I mean, and I know, believe me, it is hard when you don't win. And and um, because yeah. I had two races that I didn't win, I've won every other race, but two races um, for for U.S. Senate, I didn't win, and um, and I think that that one of the things that that sets me a little bit apart too is that I came in and really helped Martha McSally as much as she could possibly be helped. Why did she when lose? She was, um, she was a bad candidate. Yeah. She she I don't know that she really. I never saw the drive that she wanted it yeah. that, that it just i never saw it in her eyes i never felt like she had that in her heart it felt like someone else was pushing mm -hmm. her to do it yeah. um i know she she's a smart lady obviously she's very very smart she's very driven she has a, had a great military career um but she just was not the right candidate at the right time now um yeah, that's that's why I wish that that Mitch McConnell and and the team had come in behind me when I got Jeff Jeff Flake out of the race. But I do sometimes think, well, God was protecting me from from having to run against Kirsten Cinema because she was a very very formidable opponent, Kirsten, and she will be in twenty twenty four. So people start need to start thinking about who are we going to put up against her. She is no Republican. So anybody out there who thinks Kirsten Cinema should be a Republican or that she's some kind of independent thinker, that's mm -hmm. a big lie as well. She is a democrat um radical leftist democrat to the core oh yeah she's but a, she's a consummate politician she's a nutter but she did a couple of moves that uh you know the thing about arizona is they push us around but there's a couple issues that if they get out of line they will not get reelected. that's right and so when that pops up in washington they think they've got a democrat coming from arizona but there's three issues when you mention them you know, the first among them is the Second, Second Amendment. Amendment. If you go against that, mm -hmm. it's not going to be, it might not even be safe to go back there. So. <laughs> well, but Mark Kelly has been against it for everyone else except for him, for himself and for his family. Yeah. That it's all good for them. It's, uh, Democrats are hypocrites. Um, so, yeah. Second Amendment, border for sure, that, you know, that, um, <clears throat> but they just lie to you on the, on the, on the commercials and we have a lot of gullible people out there sadly well, you know uh i want to shift the conversation a little bit of uh some of the shifting sands of the political landscape um obviously uh roe v wade and and i and i want to I, I i get to my own take on it a little bit but it doesn't matter as much it seems like about 85 percent of america has a really strong uh let's say I don't want to say agreement, but there is a great deal of consensus towards a very middle, a, a, a very reasonable middle place. Even when I talk to Christians, even when I talk to leftists, 
And there seems to be five or seven percent of the really kooky born again and five to seven percent of the really kooky pink cat radical uh, feminist types. And there's this huge swath in the middle that all agrees on a kind of um, compromise that seems like it's hum humane. I want to talk about abortion. Mm -hmm. It finally got overturned, the Roe v. Wade decision, which I think has derailed our country for almost a half a century. Yeah. It's empowered EPA decisions that are overreach. It's empowered uh, almost every federal organization has gotten its teeth and armed itself and become a power against the people right. based on the overreach of the Supreme Court yes. in 1972. That's right. And they're unaccountable to anyone, and it's not how it was ever meant to be. Mm -hmm. So we've had this decision, which finally, and it may unravel a half century of bad decisions, which is why they want to, you know, they, they want to string up uh, Justice Thomas over this. Right. <laughs> forgive, forgive the analogy. But the Democrats are pissed at him because he said, hey, you know, this is the same logic that's created all these other bad decisions. We're going to have to start looking at those too. And that's they went, right. holy smokes, that's half of our overreach. Yes. But they have to get the case. Somebody has to bring the case yeah. to, to get it to them. But so we're getting ready to have a debate that we weren't able to resolve in 72 and the preceding 20 years, and the debate's upon us. And Kansas shocked the nation with a decision that was really centrist, not Bible belty at mm -hmm. all. Um, what do you think is going to happen here in Arizona? Because Brnovich has made a really, I thought it was a chicken shit announcement to go to ter really? ter territorial, our, our territorial ruling on abortion uh, so he could you know, try to win, uh, you know, get points for the senatorial uh, uh, primary. What do you think is going to happen here? What's your sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll just put it right out there. I'm 100% pro-life. Um, I believe life begins at conception. I just actually saw one of my friends uh, had uh, had twins through a surrogate 20 years ago. It was happy birthday to them. But there was actually a picture of the first two cells and four cells of these little girls. And so there is no doubt that that is is the truth and um what the decision to overturn roe v wade did did not ban abortion right. and that's that uh, the left wants people to think that that's banned and now there can't be any uh you know same-sex relationships and that lgbtq no, it just kicked the argument it, out right, to the it, states and, and yes so it's at the states um i think that in the world of politics you have to be pragmatic in this case and you have to start somewhere uh, um obviously i believe that that life begins at conception but to get to that poor point policy wise and politically it is a long long road to hoe um i think i i wanted whenever they started talking about 20 ban it at 20 weeks ban, you know if you if you started at 24 if you because life viability they, they are all viable at 24 weeks it's almost 100 percent viability that that those children can mm -hmm. can live um start there make that the law and then work backwards from there then go to 22 and then go to 20 and well, then and then you find out where the where the public you, you're going to find out where the public appetite is yes and, but and, but people don't what happens is people on on my side on the on the right they don't accept that if well, you say that then they say you're not pro-life well let me talk to you about this yes. so uh you're not running for office yes. uh, uh if you had your druthers it would be moment of conception yep okay 
All right, fine. Box checked. And I think but, that we should teach people how to use birth control. And that, I mean, I'm not Catholic because, you know, the Catholics are like, I can't be birth control. I think that that God gave us birth control so that that we could, you know, control when we are able to have offspring. It's very cheap. It's very effective. Anybody can get it, no matter what your socioeconomic status is. We should be teaching people about how to use it and, and to be responsible. Instead, we're allowing irra- irresponsibility, irresponsibility yeah. to be rewarded to the detriment of moms to the detriment of babies who either are killed but also many times to the detriment of those babies who are born and so there's a lot of discussion that has to be held but because of views on the right and views on the left politicizing this but also it's not just politics because remember those groups that are on each one of those sides they make money from this if we solve this there's no more money for them and they can't have that so um you would say as a matter of kind of political practicality um conservatives of the conception line should say well let's compromise and get something re- you know let's compromise to some reasonable point and then we can have a battle for the next yes and they're going to have a battle for the next but but that's the discourse they, but they don't want to they um, believe me because when i was running actually against uh, against mcsally or mccain i don't know which one um i basically said yes let's start let's start at a 20 24 week ban and then let's work backwards you're not pro-life bs i am pro-life um but also you there's politics involved um it, do i wish that there there wasn't i do well I, when I, I you were discussing it it was theoretical Yes. But now it's real yeah. because Roe v. Wade's been overturned. Yes. And with the overturn of Roe v. Wade, what I feel the win was, the win, I don't have a dog in the fight for abortion, frankly don't care. Um, what I'd, I care about is my tax dollars funding irresponsibility. Yes. I don't like that. Nope. Uh, and I don't like unraveling the Constitution. I don't like the Supreme Court doing anything but calling balls and strikes. Right. I don't like them playing in the game. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think, um, you know, it's interesting you're willing to make a compromise to have a public policy mm-hmm. and then have a debate about the next increment. And at some point you get to a, you get to a number where you know you can't win and you go, okay, well, I can't win that. We're not going to win that fight. I'll keep ringing the bell now and then, but there's other fights I can win. I got to prioritize my time. Yeah. But also you have to have a moral society. And right now we have a society of debauchery, of, of immorality that is celebrated, of mental illness that is is considered normal. Right. Um, and, and so... You you have to. Um, there's so many things that need to be addressed, and and I think that if you could put a, a line on abortion in each state, it can be different in each state. That's what the beauty of federalism yeah. is: let each state be yeah. a laboratory and and see what succeeds and what doesn't. My goal with abortion is to save moms and to save babies, yeah. um, and um, the fewer moms that die or have to have to deal with killing their own baby for the rest of their life um the better and and but you could work on that other side by bringing some morality back and teaching people about responsibility you know it's fascinating and i'm going to relay the story to you and i know some of the listeners have heard it before and and, uh, i'll say it um i've got a 16 year old daughter public school um you know she's talking to me about oxford for economics or she's talking to me about going to wharton and and i said hey let's you know let's get it going yeah um and I've not been programming her. I've not been indoctrinating her. I've I've been indoctrinating her to 
weigh out the argument mm-hmm. and, and see where your soul tells you the answer is. So I don't say believe my way. She doesn't believe my way in a lot of stuff she thinks. Mm-hmm. So what's funny is she's in school, public school, and um, they're pretty, I'm in a pretty, you know, I'm in Cave Creek school system, so it's pretty conservative, but they're still unhinged in my opinion, mm-hmm. and they're lefties. So she had a couple of feminist teachers, and she got really, you know, the drum was really beaten hard when the Roe v. Wade thing went down. Mm-hmm. So she came and talked to me about it, and she's like, Papa, I got to talk to you about this. Um, I am just, you know, pro-choice and all of the stuff that her teachers told her she should be. And then I asked her, I said, you know, what's, what do you mean you're pro-choice? Yeah, what does it mean, right? Yeah. And then I said, you know, it seems to me there's maybe three or four lines. One is conception. One is uh, the heartbeat, one is the central nervous system development, and one is viability. Mm-hmm. So let's say we've got these four lines. Um, and, and she kind of looked at me. I said, how do you feel about two weeks before baby's being born, just chopping its head off, ripping it in pieces, right. and vacuuming it out of somebody's womb? And she kind of looked at me like... Like, oh my gosh, right? Yeah. She said, well, well, no. I said, well, you're turning into a radical pro-lifer right now. Let me ask you a couple other questions. Yeah. I said, what about viability? So that's 24 weeks. Mom gets hurt in an accident, cut her tummy open, a pocket knife, pull the baby out, it lives. How about that? Oh, no. I said, okay. So now you've just turned into a radical pro-lifer. And, and but according to your two teachers. Right. Because you've taken the choice away from the woman. And she says, well, it's not just the woman anymore. And I said, <laughs> oh, I said, oh. <laughs> you got, I said, you got a good brain and your parents love you and you're a good human and you're answering the way almost everybody answers. Good for you. And so she ended up coming up with some, uh, we got all the way back to heartbeat and she was uncomfortable with it. And I said, okay, now you think I'm a radical conservative and you and I are almost exactly at the same point in this discussion. Right. Don't let everybody tell you how to think, ask these questions, you know? That's right. And ask your friends those same questions because most of the families aren't having those discussions. That that's the sadness. Well, what's, what I think is awesome about it is it has forced us to now have these discussions Mm -hmm. and we've had our head up our ass for 50 years, not really talking about it. We've been throwing pink hats at each other. Yes. All right, so um, well, you can kill you could you can kill a baby up to the moment it comes out, and in some places after it comes out, uh-huh. but you can't destroy a, a bald eagle egg, um, you know, or it, it, with the exper- I don't I don't believe in experimentation on on beagles, um, but like that is more important than than actual human lives, right. and so there's there's mental illness in this country. I think there's mental illness also. I I believe so, and you know I heard Michael Savage say it years ago, and I was like, oh Jesus, Michael, that's a little rad. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, yeah, it is kind of some weird mental illness going on. I want to talk to you about a couple of Arizona uh, pet peeves that I have and see what you can inform me on. Um, I There's this weird thing with the left and the greenies are basically taking over the world. And they don't understand science. They don't want to understand what it takes to make a battery. They don't understand the damage of that. They don't know what a battery does. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they, uh, they think if they live in, I mean, California is a perfect example. Okay. So they're going to go no internal combustion ins, all, all electric cars. They can't currently keep the lights on mm-hmm. in, in, which is almost a cornerstone of Western civilization, running water and lights. Yep. We can read it books. Is. We can read books at night and take showers yes. and they're shutting down their nuclear power plants, which have decades of life left on them, which is the greenest energy probably That's imaginable. Right. And then they're going to import nuclear power from Palo Verde Nuclear in in Arizona for their electric cars. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we have, and, and in, all this is going to do is enrich China and hamper the United States. Right. We have the chromium, the nickel, the cadmium, and everything that's required to make those here in Arizona. And these projects have been jammed up by the EPA, empowered by the Supreme Court mm -hmm. and the decisions leading back to Roe v. Wade. What would you, what's the baller move that Kerry could do? How do we green light these projects and force the federal government to either back down or send troops? Right. I mean, I think that, that's where I'm at. Republicans need to just start doing it. Right. The Democrats just go do it. And then they say, now fight me. And then you're fighting them for decades and losing. We need to just go do it. I love what she's saying about the border, that she's going to declare an invasion. She's going to put the National Guard at the border, not like Governor Ducey did with them changing diapers and doing paperwork, but actually defending our border for, in Arizona. Um, and the same could be said of power as well and water. Um, we We need to... We need to come up with great solutions, and I think she has some great solutions on on her website in terms of her policies. Mm -hmm. um, and then we need to just go do them. Don't stop asking the federal government for permission. I, I agree. I feel like we should get some of these mining companies that want to do these projects, and we should green line them internally. Yep. You know, in the same way that we've done with marijuana. And I tell everybody all the time, I go, you know, you, you, you can't, if you thumb your nose at the federal government on this, let's thumb it on something positive for society, I'd use a too. different finger. <laughs> so um is there anything else you'd like to cover with us here um as your uh how much time do you have left as uh chair of the azgop uh my last day will be january 28th 2023 i'm not counting down or anything uh but that's when we'll have our our next election and you know i'm hoping that it will that, that the baton will be passed to somebody else who who believes the same things that i believe faith family freedom small government personal responsibility low taxes follow the constitution and we keep things on an even keel um it, it, it's 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 uh it's sad whenever i see people kind of right now fighting over power within the party as though there's some some great power there to take um there really isn't it's really a lot of hard work it's a lot of dedication it's a lot of motivation um you have to be a cheerleader you also have to be a babysitter you have to herd cats you have to raise money you there's a lot of things that that you have to do now and i will say it was much more fun to be the chairwoman when trump was the president it's not very fun to be the chairwoman under a biden administration because at least with all of the things that you have to do as the chair when Trump was president, there were little rewards that, you you know, you got to go to the rally. You got to have a nice seat. You, you I got to go to the White House. I got to fly on Air Force One. Um, and things that I never, ever There's thought. There's just some fun little perks. That's right. That yeah. I never, ever thought that I would get. And not every chairman gets that either. You yeah. have to be a ringleader. Yeah. And um, and so I hope that that the next person who comes will, will be a ringleader, will be somebody who brings people together on the things that we believe in so that we keep this state great and we keep this country great. Let's talk about Trump for a minute. Yeah. Um, I love Trump. So I, you remember, the, remember Ann Coulter when she endorsed him? Yeah. I was sitting there, I remember, I was married at the time, and I said to my wife, I turned to my wife, and I said, why did she wait so long? Because I was I, I was a kind of crazy Trumper from the moment he announced. Mm -hmm. And then I I was kind of like, in the back of my mind, I said, look, I, I don't know what he's going to be able to do, but at least we're going to get the Supreme Court kind of shored up, which has been the payoff of yes, my lifetime. That's right. And then he turned out to be like the greatest president of my life. Yes. And, and probably a couple lives before me. 
I love the guy, and I've told a lot of people this. I, there's not a politician walking I'd take a bullet for, and I would catch one for him yeah. because I thought he was so impactful and important and, and at the right time. Yeah. Um, I think we probably have, besides Washington and Lincoln, the two that kind of made it and held it together, mm -hmm. the reawakening of it. I yeah. think Trump holds the third leg of that milk stool of the of the big three great presidents. And I know I have friends who, I mean, I've lost friends over my perspective oh, yeah. on this, but they're unhinged. I just love the guy and talk policy. They're unhinged and say crazy shit that month after month turns out to be false. Right. Um, what do you what do you think the odds are he runs again? I mean, I think they're high. I've I've never asked him directly. Uh, yeah, I've got, I've gotten to talk to him so many times that I just I never ever 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 thought that I would talk to the president of the United States. Do you text um, with him? Let, um, I some he does not text back, but I sometimes will send a text, uh, but very 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 rarely because I don't want to abuse the relationship yeah, I that understand. I have. And one of the things during all of the primary season that really really upset me was knowing that people who had a relationship like I do or closer with Trump leveraged that to make money for themselves because that pisses me off like uh, you know because people were like well they so and so paid for this paid for this endorsement paid for that endorsement and I was like Trump does not pay for endorsements but they do these political consultancies and all this crap that goes around they are paying people for that and that makes me mad because I think that it should be a pristine relationship that you have that I that's how I treat it yeah is um, that I tell him the truth when he asks me a question, and that might not be the case from what he gets from everybody else that he talks to. I don't know. But if he asks me a question, I tell him the truth as I have seen it on the ground. I do not sugarcoat things. Um, I've, you know, we, we had our, we had a discussion about, um, about Mo Brooks, you're because uh, he unendorsed Mo, and he's like Mo went woke, and I'm like, Mr. President, he didn't go woke. He just said the wrong thing. He said it the wrong way. He he believes the election was stolen, but and he's like, nope, he's done, and he was right. He you know, but he, I was afraid that because I was trying to help Mo a little bit, he was going to cut me off. But he hasn't. We've we've maintained a good relationship. But I have not ever asked him directly, are you going to run? Um, but he said little things like, I think everyone's going to be happy. Uh, yeah. You know, and so I, you know, I, I was texting with Junior. I, I, now I don't uh, abuse the relationship either, mm -hmm. but they were, you know, we had about 3 million people a month kind of looking at our social media. And I started getting these Trump comments and people are saying, hey, Trump's commenting. And I'm like, well, I'm getting trolled by somebody who's got a fake Trump. So I reached out and I said, hey, knock it off. People think, and and then I got a text and I was like, yeah. oh, okay. It's, they're actually watching the show. They, they're they commenting. Yeah. So we struck up a friendship about five years ago. So whenever they're coming to town, you know, Junior, if he's coming, he always is like, hey, let's get together. And they always, you know, VIP me into the front yep. row. It's been ridiculous. And I got to drag my family along for yes. it, you know, not, you know, m my my former wife, but my kids, I mean, yeah. my parents and yes. everybody. Yes. It's like, hey, they're inviting us. And they said, and you walk up and the Secret Service says, oh, right this way, Mr. Yes. Red, boom, boom, boom. That's right. And I said, uh, I I've never had anybody. So and, and then we have policy conversations back and forth where, you know, we were talking about um, the U.S. government underwriting shipping of uh, knockoff goods coming in from China. Yeah. You know, so we had some discussions about that. And next thing you know, it ends. And I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. Like, I actually talked to somebody watching and something happened. Right. Um, 
I just I've been in love with it. I mean, I'm in love with the idea of the guy and what he does. Well, because he he tells you what he's going to do and then he works very, very hard to do it. He might not have been able to accomplish every single thing right. that he wanted to be mainly because Republicans yeah. thwarted him at every turn. And um, and that's why I get angry at Republicans is because imagine what our country could have been if, if they just got on board with this agenda. Well, I have said this, uh, you know, I spoke at a layman event. I've spoken at a bunch of events this cycle and i said you know i go we have a pro we have a problem as republicans because we're the lying party the democrats don't lie they're telling us they hate the country they are flipping over the card table they're marxists yeah. and they want to crush us right. and they're doing it right. the only time they lie is during the the campaign season where they try to say oh no no we're not really that <laughs> right um, uh, uh, like mark uh, kelly's uh, lying right now yes. about being strong on the border right but we're the liars because uh, fully half of the Republican Party is completely lying about what it's up to. We passed, what, 10 or 12 overturned Obamacare pieces of legislation. Uh, and then it, you got this from John McCain. And and we couldn't get it done when we had the with the executive office. Right. It, because that means they were liars. liars. They were. They, and and and. That's why what we did with unelecting some of the people in Arizona yeah. was so powerful. Unelecting Rusty Bowers because, not because of anything with January 6th. Nobody cares about that. Nobody cares about the election. What, what, uh, I mean, we care about the election, but nobody cares what Rusty Bowers did or didn't do with the election. He put forward Democrat agenda um, from funding illegal aliens at our state universities to LGBT, boys and girls sports, boys and girls bathrooms, etc. His policies were not Republican. Where and did that come from? Democrats. No, but how did how did he how did he push that? Because he has Trump derangement syndrome, just like many of these other so-called Republicans. They are so deranged over Donald Trump and the things that he was able to accomplish where they told us they were going to do it for years and decades and, and centuries, really, uh, um, to a point, and they never did. And then Trump came in and actually did it. So now they're expected to do it, and they don't want that. They just want the money. They want the cocktail parties. They want to rub elbows with important people. Um, they want to look down their noses at the little guy. And I, for one, am sick and tired of it. And uh, unelecting Rusty, as well as a bunch of other ones, made me so happy. But now we have to convert that in November to electing these great people, not just Kerry, not just Blake, all all the way down into yeah. the legislature so that we get things Look, squared away. I'm going to float a theory and you tell me what you think, okay? Okay. I think that Mitch McConnell doesn't want Trump back in Washington and he's doing everything he can to make sure that the Senate doesn't get one because I think he has made the calculus that I have made that Trump is waiting to see if he has both houses before he comes back. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I don't think Mitch McConnell, I don't think that most of those, uh, you know, Republicans want want Trump back in Washington. Imagine, though, so you're Mitch McConnell and and uh, Chow, whatever his, his wife's first name is, and they're standing there beside Donald Trump and Melania, Melania Trump. I mean, who who Mitch already looks bad by himself, but standing side by side with the president and the first lady who are of such stature as yeah, those two. They're awesome. Um, no wonder he doesn't want him back. You know, here's what's shocking to me. Uh, you know, when you go to Washington, it is understood you can't get much done because it's a quagmire and everybody knows it. Mm -hmm. and, and and the expectations, even for the freshman classes, when they come, they're like, all right, now calm down. Right. You know, and the stuff they get done is terrible. Right, right. Like, <laughs> we're going to rename a highway. We're going to rename yes. a federal building. 
And all of a sudden, a guy comes to town who basically you can get stuff done. Democrats, too. It was really astounding to me. I thought the Democrat move of all time would have been to go on for a national rebuilding roads and highways mm -hmm. and bridges stimulus thing because yeah. he would have gone for it. That's right. But they didn't want to make a win for America right. that gave him any credit. Well, the Dreamers, okay? Um, he was willing to come to yeah, the table on the Dreamers. That's right. And they wouldn't come. That's right. So, so everybody that's a dreamer or that's here and wants to become an American, you should look at that. They don't care about you. It was so funny. If the Democrats wanted to do anything for America, the Republicans, I thought, were ne'er-do-wells. Mm -hmm. The Democrats always have these issues that they claim, and they could have come with a win because he would have just been on board with the win. And he would have said, see, I can look across the aisle. I, you know, we got this bill done with the Democrats. Bridges Nation. I'm a builder. I'm a construction guy. I like it. Yeah. And they didn't do any of it to, uh, you know— and. And I, I thought it was going to blow up in their faces, and then Biden gets elected. What Did he? Right. Did he? I so, don't know. <laughs> now let's talk about this. will be the last thing, and we'll wrap up after this, okay? Um, when you hear Charles Manson gets prosecuted and found guilty for murder, nobody says, well, I didn't see the evidence. Nobody says, show me the evidence. They go, oh, well, yeah, yeah, clearly the guy's kind of wackadoo. Mm -hmm. We saw with Trump this, you call it derangement syndrome, but or it's definitely technically cognitive dissonance going on. We've got people who have disconnected observable and factual reality from the news pitch. Mm -hmm. Do you, what do you know if someone says to you, the election was fair and clean and Biden got more votes than Obama did. He's that popular, which we know is bullshit. What evidence do you, what's the first things that you mentioned that come to mind for hard data for what happened here in Arizona? Because I believe in my heart of hearts, it got pushed here for sure in about 10 different ways. Yes, it did. I wrote a whole book about it. It's called Justified, the story of America's audit. Um, you can get it on Amazon or you can get it at kellyward.com, Kelly with an I, because I care about the people. Um, they, they cheated in every way possible. It wasn't just one thing. Yes, 2,000 mules. That is true. There were votes that, that were actual legitimate ballots but illegitimate votes that were injected into the system the dominion machines i'm sorry am i allowed to say that on here because uh, you know dominion if you say well, it we're not going like, on youtube because yeah, this will uh, all get, okay. get us kicked yep. off so, youtube so um those they're a problem we still have them the maricopa county board of supervisors complicit idiotic and complicit uh, whether they knew what was going on or not they had a chance to be heroes in this story and they are villains um, when you look, so I think it was incompetence, not malfeasance, and then it was ass covering, yes. and instead of cope, uh, instead of uh, accountability. That's that's uh, that's the best scenario, best case scenario. Yeah. Um, because just like Karen Fan said, she knows those guys. She's known them for decades, and when they started to just shut down and shut the door and say nobody can look at anything, she got even suspicious because Karen was not on the bandwagon of right. hey, this election was stolen. Right, she right. was like, no, it's all fine. But the more and Karen that Fan, for you guys who are watching. Uh, 
Senate president. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so she she was not on that that team of. Right. But as time went on, more and more things came to light and she was probably seeing more than the rest of us were seeing. Yeah. It it, it there was nefariousness that went on here. Um, the the adjudication process of these votes, the digital adjudication where it was over 10 percent of the ballots were digitally adjudicated. Now, some of those were for write ins, but that was about half of them. That, that's still five percent that 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 two people sitting got to decide how people voted Um, when an election was decided by just a little over 10,000 votes um, five five percent a mile right right that's right and we saw we saw it with the um, the duplication the hand duplication we actually are the only lawsuit that went on in the entire country that had evidence that was accepted by the court we got to look at a hundred ballots i think the judge thought he was throwing us a bone we looked at a hundred of these hand duplicated ballots so if you spill something on your ballot you get coffee on it it won't run through the machine you've already you you sent it in a nice county worker will reproduce your ballot exactly the way you did it. No, do I remember that it was a two percent uh, inaccuracy? It, it was three okay. percent. So um, three, three percent out of a hundred. Out of a hundred, we also got to look at signatures for signature verification. Okay, so let's just unpack yep, okay. that for a minute for yep. everybody. So uh, these ballots, how many of the, that type of ballot were them? There were, I think there were 57,000, but I'm, you might have to check my numbers, but there were tens okay. of thousands, so more than the margin it's, of error. It's what Trump was using the phrase, and it was great, it was called, it's a, it would be a determinative difference, meaning that just this one error alone, if there are 57,000 in the group, did a random sampling of 100, which I believe was the impetus for the next stage in the lawsuit, right? He said, oh, you 3% out of 100. That's real. That's a real number. Yeah. So what's three percent of fifty-seven thousand? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna. It's just so. I'm sorry. I'm gonna. It's do... only like two thousand or or twenty-five hundred somewhere in there. I think. But times point zero three. It's seventeen hundred. Seventeen hundred. Two thousand. So yeah. So it's not determinable. But if the election's only won by ten thousand votes. 1700 starts to be a really big error. That's right. But also you have to look at those were just the hand duplicated ballots. There were over 100,000 digitally adjudicated ballots, which is basically they are filling in those. Now, the big problem with that, well, one of the big problems Did is Did they ever audit the 100,000 digitally no, adjudicated? Uh, no, no, because um they couldn't tell who did what when to those ballots because all of the people that were on these adjudication boards, which are two people, one from each party, um, but it could have been libertarian or green as well. So one from different parties, they all had the exact same username and password for the entire time. The the administrative password, same administrative password. So nobody so could no tell. So no security, no right. traceability. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, so, but 100,000 votes... Um, were digitally adjudicated. That is definitely you know, Pro- determinative and problematic. Right at three percent, um, you, you know, there's yeah. there's thirty thousand votes right there. So with the signature verification, three thousand votes. Well, three. Well, it would have been it, three percent of a hundred thousand. Three thousand, right? Three thousand. Yeah, because yeah, thirty thousand yeah, would be thirty percent. Yeah, three yeah. three thousand. Yes, but you're you're getting up. You're getting up. Now you're, you're at fifty seven hundred. That's right. Signature verification. It's the only thing we have that um that tells that this person was allowed to 
submit this ballot. Right. We got to look at 100 signatures. We had a signature expert. The Democrats had a signature expert. Our expert said six out of 100 didn't look like they matched. The Democrats said 11 out of 100 didn't look like they matched. The Maricopa County said, well, um, I sit on the the board that decides what equals a match, and we accept all of them. The, the signature verification is a sham. We have to have actual ID to be able to vote. The signature is is too subjective. ridiculous. Too subjective. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, but I mean, six, between six and eleven percent of those votes could have just been ineligible right. altogether of the entire all mail in votes, which was one point nine million. Right. Okay. It's it's very, very serious, the problems that went on with that election that yeah. rewarded and awarded the White House inappropriately, in my opinion, to Joe Biden in this administration. The worst part is um, when you, you know, anecdotally, you look and you see 100 mile car trains and you see stadiums filling up and you see every third car had a Trump sticker banner flag. It was bananas. It felt like a big carnival was coming to town. Yep. Um, every flag on my street, yes. there was one place that had a Trump, uh, had a Biden flag up and it was like a little eight and a half by 11 put up a flagpole and like, you know, people were confronting the guy like, what are you thinking? Yep. <laughs> um, well, Havasu's still like that. There's still uh, Trump flags everywhere. Yeah. Uh, when the anecdotal doesn't meet out in the uh, in the election, and, and then instead of everybody opening up and say, okay, let's get to the bottom of this, everybody obfuscated and fought. Yep. It, it, it makes you start to doubt things even more. Yes. So anybody who says, oh, you, you're just got sour grapes, say, no, I played sports. I can take a loss. Just yep. like Jim Lehman. He... He took the loss pretty gratefully, gracefully, actually, yes. because he's been in the arena and he's lost a game or two, I'm sure, yeah. in his career at college. Um, you learn how to gracefully pick yourself up and get ready for next season. That's right. And I've always been okay with the losses. You know, I, 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 my guy has not won every national election. Right. I haven't been unhinged my whole life. I'm pissed about what happened because the outcome didn't jive with my experiential sense. Yes. And that's what they actually I had a reporter ask me that about the governor's race this time. What what I was in a big event with all of them um, right before the uh, election, Saturday before the Tuesday. And the, the reporter said, well, what what do you think is going to happen with these people who if if Kerry is not the winner? I said, we are not going to. Be, uh, believe the machine or believe the powers we believe our eyes and our eyes tell us that she is the the winner she is our nominee and she will be our next governor um and that's how we felt with trump uh, i talked to trump many times during during the time while they were counting those votes and he's like are they going to steal it from carrie like they stole it from me and we're not, i'm like we're not going to let them we're not going to let them we are we are we are going to continue this fight until we we mm -hmm get uh, the true outcome the, the fact that it was even close was boggling my mind because Robeson didn't get out there she didn't come off she didn't come off uh she came off like a smooth talking lawyer she did not come off like somebody fighting for arizona and she was a ghost in that race and a lot of money was spent a lot <laughs> a lot a lot i've never seen i've never even heard of so much money floating around for arizona senatorial and gubernatorial mm -hmm. positions well, they did spend twenty million against me, oh. McConnell and and company.
Really? And a lot of people in Arizona were, were part of that as well. The, the people that created the, the grassroots action pack and they, they create all these little attack packs that you can't, you can't really trace back, but it's these same people that are exposing themselves did, as. Did that all globalists. pop up under, after McCain Feingold? Yeah. 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 It, it pretty interesting, huh? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, these whack-a-mole, the whack-a-mole money that is showing up from all these outside sources mm -hmm. is destroying Arizona politics. Yes. It's turning it into an extension of Washington. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I'm even willing to consider doing some kind of consultancy after, because there are no America First consultants right now yeah. in, in Arizona and really almost nowhere in the country. Yeah. Um, these people that are consultants, and, and I know a lot of them, they don't care about the outcome. No, they, they don't. Other they than get hired next that, cycle. Well, the outcome they care about is lining their pockets with donor money um, so that they can go buy their next thing. They don't care about the policies or the people Agreed. that are implemented. Agreed. And that's sickening to me. <laughs> I think we need to have some partisan consultancies. And yeah. I think it would be really powerful because I think they are, honestly, every action I've seen, I've been I've been behind the curtains on a few campaigns. Yeah. Um, I see... Uh, I see weak action and I see action not geared towards winning. Mm -hmm. Well, and and they are there are some that claim that they are Republican consultants, but they are not America first consultants. They yeah. are not MAGA consultants. No. They are not um, populist they're, they're, consultants. They're globalist cabalists. They are. Well, uh, when you're ready to start that up, uh, let me help you out here. I will. Okay. I will. I would love it. Listen, is uh, there anything you'd like to promote or mention before we hop off? Where uh, you'd like to direct anybody who maybe wants to find out what you're up to? Yeah, you can go to the website kellyward.com. Um, everything I, you know, I have a newsletter that goes out a couple times a week. I've got. Um, I'm on social media. I'm still on Twitter somehow. I'm not kicked off Twitter. My husband's been kicked off a few times. I, I don't know why. He doesn't know why either. They just kicked him off but i'm still on twitter um kelly ward az kelly with an i i care about the people but that's across all the social media i'm on truth i'm on getter um i'm not very good on telegram but i'm doing some kind of interview this afternoon on telegram so that should be interesting i got to figure out how to do it before it actually happens tonight okay. um but you know just we have to keep in touch with each other know what's going on i'd love people to go get the book justified i'd love for them to read it and see all the things it's very very informative it will make you mad though will make you very very mad all the text messages between me and the and the supervisors are all in there they release them to the press but i put them in the book um i also read another book just so you know called inspired by what's right and it's kind of like my journey through politics why i got into politics and things that you can put into action in your own life to make a difference not just in the political arena but just overall so i say justified makes you mad but inspired by what's right lifts you up and makes you happy and gives you hope that you can go forward you know i've been told you're kind of a nutter by a bunch of political folks and uh, I think they think I'm another two, and we're uh, we have uh, we, we have a lot of a uh, similar cloth in our makeup. I really appreciate you coming in. I know it was a drive, and I appreciate you getting here. And Thank I know you. we had to reschedule, and I understand. And I hope we can get you back. Um, if you decide that you're going to jump in, whatever your next yeah. thing is, we'd love to have you back on and talk about that. I'll let you know. You've got a unique perspective because you've been around watching this all happen. Uh, 
in in the limelight uh, behind the scenes uh talking with the former president hopefully our next president yes and uh i i hope to see uh, even bigger things from you coming out of uh, havasu helping us here in arizona appreciate you being here thank you greg uh, great great to be here and uh, just everybody out there do not give up do not sit down do not shut up do not be shamed you're doing what's right and we're going to save america all right that's the show sports fans thanks for joining us you know uh i love uh, talking to people of courage and commitment and uh, sometimes I don't agree all the way. Sometimes I agree a lot. But I love seeing people who have, uh, in the mid, in the midst of all the maelstrom of this confusing, bad turn our country has taken, to see people bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about the optimistic view they have towards the future and, and how to change it in the right direction, it's kind of empowering and it kind of gives me verve to get through the day. So thanks for coming to the show. That's us. Check us out on uh, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, I think we're on Rumble and a couple other places. Uh, see you out there in digital land.